Hello everybody and welcome to the podcast. I'm Suraj, I'm Mahir and I'm Sachit. And this is Lights Out and away we go. So welcome along to another episode on Lights Out. On today's show, we're going to be talking about all the basic things about Formula 1. What the sport is all about and what makes it so special. But before we get to that, We're really excited to have our good friend Sachit join us today. Now unfortunately Sachit couldn't be with us for the last episode, but going forward we're really excited to have him join the crew. Sachit is someone who loves cars, he's a true petrol head and he's got a really good understanding about some of the technical stuff as well, not just for these Formula 1 beasts but also for cars in general. Sachit, great to have you on the show mate. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks a lot for all the undue flattery Mahir. Thank both thanks both of you for having me on the show. Glad to be here finally. And yeah, it's a bit of a shame I couldn't be here last week but better late than never. Yep. Fantastic. All right. So, now I guess it's a good time to give a bit of an overview about the sport and I'm going to try and keep things as simple as I possibly can. So, Formula 1, it's basically a car racing championship. It's truly truly global in nature because one Formula 1 season sees the entire F1 circus go to like five continents and 20 odd countries. Now Formula 1 it's a single seater open cockpit car racing series. And to make that very simple for you there's basically just one person inside the car at all times driving it and it's not like rally car racing where you've got a person guiding you as well. And as for the open cockpit thing Well that basically what that's telling you is that there's an element of risk real risk in the sport because a part of the driver's body is left exposed and they're going at such high speeds that it brings a real element of uh, danger to the sport Now as for the participants of the sport you know who takes part in the sport well there are 10 teams uh, they're also called constructors so and that's a term you're going to hear thrown around a lot in formula 1 so you can just think of it of them as car constructors or teams to make it simple for you and i guess a good example would be ferrari and each each team has two drivers or basically two cars that they uh, put out on the grid so that gives us 20 drivers and 20 of the best drivers in the world for good reason because this is considered the pinnacle of motorsport the cars are some of the fastest ones that are out there and it's pretty common to see these guys breaking all sorts of lap records at different circuits now what are the spoils like what is there to win from this sport right what is at stake well there are two championships a constructors or a teams championship and an individual drivers championship how do you win those well just score the most points by the end of the season it's pretty simple um i won't be going too much in depth about the point scoring system All I'll say is that at the end of each race the top 10 finishers score points and the higher you finish the better you're rewarded so first place gets 25 points and 10th place gets 1 point so it's pretty it's a pretty sizable difference well this was a very 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 basic description of the sport just to kind of get you up to speed about what it's all about but it may not be the most exciting of things so what makes this sport special i guess such it maybe you could shed some light on that Thanks thanks for that Mahir and uh, I must say that was beautifully summed up. Uh I would like to elaborate upon one point though. And it's that uh, how crucial an aspect teamwork is in F1. To give you an analogy, I would like to ask how many of you whether or not you support the sport, follow the sport of football associate with the names of Messi and Ronaldo. 
I'm sure that's a pretty big number. And yet I'm also sure that hardly a fraction of that number can probably name even some of the guys who have helped them amass all the success that they have over the years. Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the biggest and the biggest names in the managerial aspect of football, once said that attack helps you win games, but defense helps you win titles. The attack here is a fitting analogy for all the drivers in F1. Um, they are, as uh, in one way, the poster boys, the poster child of the sport, while the defense is uh, analogous to the entire backroom staff comprising of some of the most precocious engineering and leadership talent out there. To furnish a quick comparison and give you some numbers, and having mentioned Sir Alex, Manchester United, one of the biggest football teams in the world, has a payroll about 800 strong. Mercedes F1, on the other hand, has over a double at nearly 2,000. Every last one of which has a single goal in mind, to design just one car every year, get two copies of it out on the track and beat 18 others. It would therefore not only be a travesty, but treachery to overlook the essence of the team in F1. Wow, such a that was quite an analogy. Like that's the first time I've heard something like that. Really, really cool answer that. Um, so yeah, so I guess by now you've understood that F1 is a global sport and there are 10 teams, 20 drivers and all that. But what about the race in itself? Well, it's not as simple as just turning up to a racetrack and going racing. I guess Suraj, maybe you could explain why it's not that simple. Alright, so I'll get into what the structure of a Grand Prix weekend is like. But first, I'd like to touch upon the variety of tracks you see in Formula 1. So, F1 races on the streets of Singapore, of the streets of Monte Carlo and Monaco, but it also races on proper racetracks like Silverstone in UK and Monza in Italy. As you can imagine, the characteristics of such racetracks are completely different. Some of them have very long straights where the driver applies the throttle on most of the track. Others have very tight corners and even medium speed corners. So, given these varying characteristics of the track, the car would have differently. So now coming to the structure of a Grand Prix weekend, um, it starts from Friday and ends on Sunday. On Friday, you have two separate practice sessions um, and on Saturday, you have another shorter practice session followed by an event called qualifying. On Sunday, you have the big event that is the race in itself, right? So you might be thinking, why are there three different practice sessions just for one track? Uh, well, that comes back to the whole point of setting up the car, right? So, in order to perfectly get the most out of that Formula 1 car, the teams really need to collect as much data as possible. So, what they do is they set the, send the cars around the track multiple, multiple times and analyze where is the car doing well, where is it not doing so well. And based on these statistics, they make changes to, to the how the car is set up. And finally, at the end of these three practice sessions, teams expect that they've got the most out of the car and it can be as fast as it can possibly be on that specific track. So, Mahir, do you want to walk us through what qualifying is like? Thanks a lot, Suraj. I think that was, that was a good explanation on why practice sessions are so important in F1. So, coming to qualifying, uh, let's let's look at why qualifying is needed in the first place. Um, because when you start a race, you need some sort of an order, right? A starting order for these cars. You can't line all 20 of them up side by side because there's just not enough space. 
So that's why qualifying is needed. It's essentially an event which decides the starting order for the race. That's the simplest way to understand it. Now, how they go about it is um, they keep three mini sessions. So you don't need to get too confused. You can think of it as a knockout type of uh, elim- elimination type of process. So all the cars go out in the first mini session called Q1, and they try to set as fast a time as they can around that circuit over one single lap. Now the slowest five drivers will be eliminated after this first session, and their positions will be fixed. So positions 20 to 16 will be fixed at the end of Q1. Q2 is essentially the same thing. Only this time, five more drivers would fall out, and the grid positions from 15th to 11th would be fixed. Now, this is where the drama begins on quali- in qualifying. The last mini session called Q3 is where we have a top 10 shootout, and they go for pole position. So, pole position is again something you're going to hear a lot in the F1 community. All it means is you're starting in the number one position on the grid. You're going to start from first place. That's pole position. And at the end of Q3, our order is fixed. We have positions 10 to 1 also lined up, and we know who's taken pole position. Which, trust me, it is a big deal in F1. So, what is the beauty of qualifying? Well, I don't want to go on and on and on, but I'll just say that this is when the cars are going at their fastest during the entire race weekend from Friday to Sunday, because the race—it's a bit of an endurance affair. I think you could understand why, because there are going to be more laps. But in qualifying, you're just trying to go as fast as you can, flat out for a single lap, and that is why you'll see these cars break numerous lap records over the course of the season. as they go really really quick and the drivers are subjected to unbelievable forces mind you a normal person would not be able to drive this car um sachit any any pointers on the race i guess most of it is self explanatory but maybe something you want to add about the race an f1 race um yeah not really mahir i think you summed it up really well but i think you got that point absolutely right that qualifying is pretty much a one lap shootout where Cars are going at their absolute fastest, whereas the races are a bit more of an endurance affair, and that uh, the drivers need to take care of the tires a lot more. They need to conserve fuel a lot more. Otherwise, you know, if the driver pushes hard on every lap, he's going to run out of fuel by the end of the race. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think we'll definitely elaborate upon it in the upcoming episodes. One point I'd like to mention is that in an F1 race, it's mandatory to make one pit stop. Um, a pit stop is basically where the car goes back to its garage and makes a stop, so it can change its tires or replace a component if it's been damaged during the course of the race. Fantastic. Well, I guess, guys, we've given a really good overview so far. I guess we've explained how the championship works. We've explained how the individual races work. Um, Suraj, maybe could you tell our listeners how they could get into the sport a little bit more and start associating with some of the names in the sport? All right. So, I actually started watching Formula One only this season, and um, so you can tell that the fact that I've started my own podcast with my friends that I've got completely hooked onto the sport. Uh, so, the way that I got into it was this show called Drive to Survive on Netflix. The show is really great. Um, it basically gives you an insight into each of the constructors in the sport, um, how they work on the inside. Um, it gives you the behind the scenes on different races that have occurred, um, and they're spread across. And each season within the show is spread across a full season in F1. So you get to see the highs and lows, the oohs and ahs, and being Netflix, they've made it really dramatic as well. So even if you're not looking to get into the sport, I'd say it's a really good watch. 
Yep, I can second that. I think the three of us have all seen it and really enjoyed it. And just to add, I think drive to survive, the survive element of it. This sport is so competitive. Like you have cars that go around 5 to 6 kilometers for a single lap and it's not uncommon to see or rather it's very common to see two cars separated by such fine margins like in matters of milliseconds. So really that's the survival aspect of the sport. It's just 20 drivers and it's really 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 competitive. I guess we've pretty much covered almost everything. Maybe we could mention a couple of the big names or a couple of our favorite drivers and and to add a personal touch to this episode, I guess the three of us could quickly mention when we started watching F1. So Sachit, maybe you want to start? Yeah, sure, Mahir. Uh, I personally have had an on and off relationship with Formula 1 right from the start. Um I do support Kimi Raikkonen, a real colorful guy and uh, as I mentioned about uh, elaborating upon the race part of F1 we probably would have to dedicate an entire episode to Kimi to explain all his antics to everyone listening but um, yeah i guess uh, i got into the sport thanks to a lot of uh, friends i have who are F1 geeks and just being surrounded by them taught me a lot about the sport and it's definitely a sport that comes to you eventually so yeah i guess that's how i started it definitely been more than well 13 years but uh, i unfortunately can't put a number to it how about you mahir well um kind of an unconventional route i must say i had this gaming console called the nintendo wii with what with the motion sensing and all i think back in 2009 it was a big deal and i had this game gifted to me called f1 2009 and lo and behold i started playing the game i figured out what f1's all about and before i knew it i was watching the first race i think of the 2010 season fernando alonso won that race uh, in a ferrari so i'm sure a lot of you guys would have heard about ferrari and ever since i've been a, f- a fan of that combination fernando alonso and ferrari suraj what about you well i got into the sport by watching the show and they start off by covering uh, daniel ricardo and his departure from red bull so naturally they painted him as this really uh, nice picture and showed all of his uh, really great overtakes so i started liking him when i watched the show but after seeing some of his highlights and how ferocious he can be on track but how lighthearted and funny he can be off track I'd say he's my favorite driver. Um he drives for Renault F1 team, but he's moving to McLaren next season. All right guys, um just one last thing before we conclude today's episode. We've got a race weekend coming up in Portimao in Portugal, the Portuguese Grand Prix this year. Guys, any reasons why you're particularly excited about this one? Well, Mahir, I think for a newbie, I think it's it'll be a really exciting weekend. The circuit in itself is like a roller coaster it goes up and down and there are a variety of different types of corners slow paced and fast paced i think in terms of just viewing the cars going around the circuit and not even the race antics would be a lot of fun for the viewer yeah yeah i i'd like to add a point to that portimao is a race track that f1 has never previously raced on and it obviously makes for a lack of data and we all know how important data is during a race week so all the data collection that's going to happen is going to be collected uh, over the practice sessions and there is nothing from the past years that's often available in the other tracks 
so yes i think it's going to make for a real dramatic race because most of the drivers don't really know what to expect the teams neither know what to expect so yes i think it's going to be a fun affair fantastic guys i i second both those opinions i think it's going to be an absolute banger all right i think i think that pretty much sums it up today i hope you liked listening to this episode and especially if you're someone who's looking to get into the sport the three of us collectively hope that this episode is like a good starting point for you, for you and you end up watching the race this weekend thanks boys it was a pleasure recording with you and here's to many more